Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. You can go ahead and have a seat. Hey, so glad to be with you guys. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say welcome to all of you here who are here in person and welcome to those of you who are joining and watching us online. Hey, if you're here visiting for the first time, we especially want to just uh, give a hearty welcome to you and thank you for being here. We would love to connect with you after the service. We have something called a connect card that you can pick up at the info counter right out in the lobby area. We'd love to just get a little bit of information about you to just reach out to you and say thank you for coming. We weren't gonna, we're not going to bug you or hound you or anything like that but we would love to just be able to reach out to you. If you're online watching us maybe for the first time, you can send us an email at info at vcdc.org and let us know uh, you're joining us for the first time as well. And for every one of these that we get, we uh, give a small donation in your honor to a local charity. So we'd love to bless the community just by connecting with you. Hey, so uh, just a couple, one quick thing. We're not going to, like we've been doing for the last few weeks, we're not going to take a traditional offering where we're passing a basket around, but if you came wanting to give, there are boxes in the back labeled giving by the two double doors. You're welcome to put uh, your offering in there, or as always, you can uh, you can give online at vcdc.org. That's also an option as well. We've got a couple quick announcements that are happening with things this week, so if you want to turn to the screens, uh, Vicki's going to come and give us some of the things that are happening in the vineyard this month. Hey everyone, we're so glad you're joining us this weekend. I have a few announcements for this week. We invite you to join us for a new equipped class on marriage. It's titled Sticking Together, Forming a Healthy Connection. This will be held this Tuesday, August 25th from 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom and it will be led by Andrew and Sarah Hudson. As you know, we are working toward reopening our weekend kids classes soon. So we are in need of classroom leaders and assistants. To find out more about how you can get involved, go to vcdc.org and click Children's Ministry. I'm excited to share that we will be hosting an in-person women's ministry event titled Shine on Friday, September 11th at 7 p.m. More details will be communicated this week, so for now, just be sure to save the date and plan to join us. As we are now holding weekend services both in-person and online, We have decided that this week will be our last Wednesday devotional. It's been a great encouragement for us all midweek. So to continue that, I want to encourage you to get involved in a small group. Our featured group this week is the retired and semi-retired men's group, meeting in person in the Sunbury area on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. It's led by Jerry Stanley and Greg Dietz. You can find all of our groups either on our website or on the small group card wall in the lobby. Be sure to call before visiting a group, though. Well, that's all we have for announcements this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Vicki. Hey, every week we also pray for a different church in the area, and this week we're praying for Harlem Road, led by Pastor Bud and his wife, Pam. So let's just uh, pray for them real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for all the different churches in the area, and we especially thank you for Harlem Road. We pray just blessing on them. 
We ask that you would grow them, give them guidance, and just extend your grace to them. That they would continue to just be a light in the community. So we just thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he's already up here, but let's give a big hearty welcome to our lead pastor, Michael Hansen. Hey, well, good evening. I don't know if that was a heckle or what. Hello, am I there? There we go. Oh, middle school. If you're in middle school or you'd like to be in middle school, you can uh, exit the door. Yeah, oh no, it's going to be trouble. Exit the door out around the corner. Thanks, Jay. Oh, maybe we should start again. No, okay, good evening and good evening online. Before I get into my talk, um, I want to share an opportunity for us as a church to give, to be generous. Uh, VCDC, this church has a long history working in the nation of Brazil. We've sent missionaries to Brazil. We've sent um, lots of short-term missions teams. Uh, we go down there. We've gone down there for years to work with missionaries, to work with Brazilian pastors and leaders and um, uh, vineyard churches down in Brazil. Just a little over a month ago, one of the pioneering pastors of the vineyard movement in Brazil, a man named Adamir Soares, he died uh, uh, from uh, COVID-19. Here's a picture of Adamir and his lovely wife, Gina. And uh, so that's like a month ago he passed away. Super guy. Um, and so Gina is now a widow. And um, there just aren't certain systems in place for her to be looked after, if you will. And um, so she's going to have some immediate and ongoing needs. And when I heard this, I just felt the uh, in my gut. And I thought, Lord... I think we've got a cool opportunity here. So what we're going to do is next weekend, August 29, we're going to be taking up a special offering uh, on her behalf. And like Andrew was saying, we're not actually taking up offerings, but that just means if you're in the building next weekend, the box is in the back. You can uh, give towards the special offering. There's uh, envelopes on the info counter, just earmark it, special offering. Uh, but if you are watching online or if you typically give online at the church, go to our website, vcdc.org, and drop down for giving and then just uh, choose the fund missions. And that money will be, it'll go to Brazil through Xingu Mission, which, the, which is the mission group that we work with down there, and through the Vineyard Organization in Brazil, uh, again, helping Gina out. But here's the thing that I was thinking. Our church has a history when it comes to special offerings of being very generous. And so I have said to them, look, they've got like an amount in mind that they think will help uh, this, this lady uh, during this time. And if there's any extra that's given, that's collected, uh, that's going to go to other vineyard pastors and their families who are, uh, who are struggling, weathering this crazy season of uh, COVID-19. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call the church, but remember that's next weekend, August 2930. There we go. So tonight I'm wrapping up our uh, parable series. If you missed any, you can go on our church website and you can watch uh, or listen to them there. But tonight we're looking at probably, probably one of the more or maybe most famous or known parables of Jesus, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, that phrase, Good Samaritan, that's synonymous with any, you know, a person or a, an organization who, you know, goes beyond the call of duty with a, you know, some type of heroic act of kindness or charity towards a person. 
uh, in need or a group of people in need. And I grew up going to church, going to Sunday school. And, and there's something about the story of the Good Samaritan. I have a vivid memory. I mean, I don't know if you went to Sunday school as a kid of a flannel board. Remember that? That was the early Xbox. But we had a flannel board. And there was a flannel picture of the man that was, gets beaten up in this story. And I still remember as a kid, he's all bruised up. And literally, he was wearing like Sunday school approved first century briefs because he was, you know, all his clothes were taken, but it still had to be appropriate. I remember as a kid looking at that. But here's the guy lying there. And then there was a picture of the, the good Samaritan with his donkey, uh, his donkey in tow. And I was always taught that the point of this parable basically was, and so uh, as Christians, uh, we need to be kind to others. And I think that's totally accurate, totally true. But as I've gotten older and just studying the Bible, uh, I've come to realize that there's a lot more going on in this parable. Uh, in fact, I always thought that the main characters of this story were the man that was you know, robbed and beaten, and he's probably a Jewish man coming from Jerusalem, uh, that he and the Good Samaritan, they were the main characters. But what I've come to see is that really when you look at the bigger story, which we're going to look at tonight, uh, you see that they are more the supporting cast and that the main character was a man who is described as an expert in the law. And your Bible might even say that he was a lawyer. But don't think, you know, uh, like a judicial lawyer. But this is someone who's, whose job was to interpret the Jewish law, the law that God gave through Moses to, uh, to his people, the people of Israel. And in a sense, it's like, here's the law, here's the command, here's the rule. And now this guy, this expert in the law, his job was to tell you tell the people how to live that law. And this is important. At the heart of interpreting, understanding, and walking out the law was the goal of living life in such a way as to please God. Because those who pleased God, who obeyed his law, uh, would be blessed by God. They would have eternal life. So as we look at this parable, what we're going to see is that while this parable is uh, about being kind to others. There's a, there's a deeper issue. There's a heart issue going on in this story. And it's if we are going to love how and who God wants us to love, it will require a chosen willingness on our part to let him change us, change our hearts uh, from the inside out. So that's where we're going to go this evening. Let's pray. And then we'll look at this, uh, this story. So, Lord, I thank you uh, for tonight. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that in this, this really off-balance, crazy season that we're in, that you, you calm the storm. You settle our hearts. You realign our focus on you. Lord, and I, just, I pray tonight that you would come. I mean, again, here we are. We're talking about our hearts. Lord, only you can change our hearts. And so I pray tonight uh, that, that, you, uh, that we would be different when we leave because of your activity and your work in our lives, in our hearts. So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in Luke 10. <clears throat> and we're going to start in verse 25. And, and, and again, this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is prompted by a conversation between Jesus and this expert in the law. So let's jump right into that. Verse 25. <clears throat> On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? 
He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We'll stop there. Okay, so I want you to picture this. I mean, there's, I don't know, maybe hundreds of people seated on the ground, and and they've all come to hear this young, upstart rabbi, this Jesus guy, and who's just stirring everything up, and they've come to, to listen to him, to hear him teach, and in the crowd, wherever Jesus went, there were always religious leaders, like Pharisees and, and, and people like this guy, the you know, experts in the law. And at one point when Jesus is talking, this guy stands up and he asks Jesus, like, hey, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when you look at that question uh, and you consider who this man is talking to, that's a really good question. Uh, in fact, that's, you know, that, that would definitely be the right question to ask Jesus. But what we see in the story is that he's asking the right question, but he totally, totally has the wrong motive. He wasn't asking because he really wanted to know. It says, if you remember, it says that his motive was uh, to test Jesus. Literally, I mean, he's a lawyer of sorts. <laughs> Literally to trip him up, corner him, to make him look bad in front of his growing class of students, And so the guy asked the question, and Jesus looks at him, sees his fancy pants, and he knows, like, hey, I know who this guy is. This guy is an expert in the law. And he looks at him, and he says, hey, you know, uh, why don't you, you know, in answering that question, it's like, well, this is your area of expertise, so why don't you tell me, friend, what's in the law? What does God require of us? And this guy responds by quoting something that I know many of you are familiar with called the Shema. Hear, O Israel. It was a prayer that uh, the Jews would have prayed. Uh, they would have taught their kids. They would have been, you know, people would have been very familiar with this prayer. And he quotes a section where he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus hears that and he looks at the guy and he goes, Bingo, you got it. You do that. You do what you just said and you will have eternal life. Now, right here in the story is a, is a really pivotal moment, and really it's the focus uh, of my talk tonight. And, and here's what I mean. There's something that, uh, that we need to understand about the law, and again, I mean the Jewish law, right? Like the Old Testament law that it literally has 613 commandments. Like you thought 10 was a lot. It has 613 commandments, and when we, when we read what this guy said, really he gave a summary of those 613 laws, and, and when we look at his response, we need to remember, it's important in this story, to remember that one of the purposes of the laws that God gave, of this, really, this impossible standard of living life and of loving others, we need to remember that, that one of the purposes of this law was and is to help us as human beings get in touch with our inability to keep those laws. Because you think about it, the response that this lawyer gave was, okay, we're supposed to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind, and we're, and, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as yourself. No, has any, can any of you do that? It should be no, of course not. Like The purpose of this is if we're honest, we should read that and there should be a response inside of us that goes, that's impossible. 
Like nobody can do that. It may as well say, hey, do you want to please God? Do you want to have eternal life? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to climb Mount Everest in bowling shoes. And you need to have a Costco-sized fridge on your back, and it has to be full of beef, and you have to whistle Beethoven's Fifth Symphony all the way up and all the way down. If you do that, well, then you'll please God. You'll fulfill the law, and, and you'll have eternal life. And our, again, our response would be, well, that's more than ridiculous. That's, that's crazy. Nobody can do that. And God is like, bingo. I've got you right where I want you. Romans 3 verse 20 says this. It says, for no one, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. See, the law, God's standard, what he's called us to, the law really is like a mirror being held up for all of us to come stand in front of that mirror. And here's the standard, and, and so you, you stand in front of that mirror and you go, am I measuring up? And again, the, the purpose of the law is for you to look in the mirror and go, ooh, I'm not doing, I'm not doing very well. God's standard of how and who we are to love is impossible for us on our own. And the gap that we see between who we are and who God has called us to be is meant to be. It's meant to create an opportunity to free us from self-dependence and to bring us to a humble place of saying, uncle, of saying, ah, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I need help. And Jesus is like, awesome. Here I am. This has always been the plan to free us from ourselves and our self-dependence is that we would come to the end of our rope and there would be Jesus saying, I'm right here. I want to help you. I'm going to teach you. I, this is the plan. I'm the savior. I'm the helper. But, but what we see in the story at this pivotal place of choosing, instead of humbling himself and admitting his inability to keep the law, like instead of humbling himself and saying, oh boy, I can't do that. I, I need help. How does this guy respond? Verse 29 says this. <clears throat> but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, uh, well, who, who is my neighbor? And what we see in, in this verse, what we see really is, is, uh, is original sin. Like that verse really captures uh, Genesis 3, if you're familiar with Genesis 3, where basically humanity looks at God and says, hey, I don't need you. In fact, I don't really think I want you. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take control of my life. Thank you very much. And what we see in the story is that the way that this guy was going to attempt to justify himself, to prove his performance in regards to God's law, to, to prove that, hey, you know what, I think I am good enough. I think I actually am fulfilling the law, was by asking this question, well, Jesus, really, who, who is my neighbor? And think about it. This guy is an expert in the law, right? Really what he's trying to do is he's, He's like, let's get technical about what you mean by neighbor, Jesus. Because he, really what he's doing is he's looking for a loophole. He's looking for a loophole. And, and you know what, I, uh, I went online and I found this paper, this really long paper that someone wrote it. If you struggle sleeping with sleeping, you'd, you'd want to read this. But literally this, this long paper is called Loopholes of Rabbinical Law. And that's what we're talking about. These 613 commands. Like, like, here's some loopholes. And they defined the word loophole this way in regards to the law. <clears throat> An ambiguity, omission, or exception 
that provides a way to avoid a rule without violating its literal requirements. Does that make sense? Like that is a loophole. And now think back, when you're thinking about the law, think back to uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he's in front of all the people. And in Matthew 5, 43, he says this to the people. He says, hey, everybody, you have heard that it was said. And really what he's getting at is, you have heard God's law, God's standard, God's expectation. You've heard it interpreted this way. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, when I read that, I don't think I'm at all inaccurate in saying that uh, I will bet the farm that this guy, this expert in the law, would have been the ones teaching that, right? Giving that interpretation. We need to love your neighbor, but you can hate your enemy. Because in interpreting, yeah, that's right, interpreting the law, that way you are creating a loophole. You're creating a loophole in fulfilling the high standard of God's love. What do I mean by that? Because here's what it means. Anyone that I decide is my enemy, that means they're not my neighbor. That means I'm off the hook. And like, don't take this personal, but it's like, anyone I decide is my enemy, like, well, you, you've offended me. Uh, you, you've hurt me. Uh, you, you've disappointed me. Uh, you, I don't like the way you look. I do, Matt, but just for the story. Like, or, or I don't like your politics, or I don't like, I don't like, on and on and on. When I have decided that you are now my enemy, that means you're no longer my neighbor, and so I have no social moral responsibility towards you or your needs. I'm off the hook. I have justified myself. In my eyes, I have now fulfilled the law. You know, or maybe I, I think about that word enemy. I don't know if we use that a lot we, uh, in our culture, but uh, maybe we would describe our loophole like this. Um, and really, this is, this is personal now. This is, uh, well, we'll get to this in a sec. Maybe we would describe it this way, that our loophole would be, who do I see, who do I see, who do I determine as deserving of my help, my concern, or my charity? That's like the determining factor. What I mean is this. This is something, uh, I was thinking of how to share this. This is something ugly in my heart that I've seen during this craziness of this COVID season with, you know, with all the financial issues, unemployment, mask, no mask, all the political back and forth, um, racial tension, racial issues, uh, protesters, good cops, bad cops. In answering the question, who is my neighbor? In answering the question or, or like determining whether, or sorry, who is my neighbor? And in determining whether or not I'm doing what God says, my loophole has been this, and I hope this makes sense. My loophole has been looking at a person who is in need and deciding whether or not it was their fault that they're in such a hard place. And if I, and if I come to the conclusion that it's their own fault, well then, I guess it just, you made your bed and you're gonna have to sleep in it. Something inside me would say, well then you deserve it. And something inside of me would say, well then I'm off the hook to care for this person or to help them. And, uh, and as, if that isn't ugly, here's something even uglier I've seen in my heart. And it's where, and I think it's where the guy in the story is going, that in judging another's unworthiness of charity, unworthiness of help, unworthiness of a hand up, seeing their failure, somewhere inside of me, I feel justified by that. I feel better then. I, I, you know, because I'm not in that place. Obviously, I've made better choices 
obviously I've, you know, I've, I've justified myself. And I think that's what's going on in the heart of the guy in this story. And so how does Jesus answer this question of who is my neighbor? Well, now that brings us to the story of the Good Samaritans. Let's read that. Verse 30 says this, in reply to his question, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, what did he do? Same thing, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. In the story, Jesus answers his question. So you want to know who your neighbor is? What is you know what he basically says in this, in this story, this parable? Friend, your neighbor is anyone you see who is in need. That's your neighbor. It's simple. Notice that there's no concern, there's no question of, of whether or not this hurt man deserved his predicament. Like, like maybe, you know, maybe it was his fault. Maybe he shouldn't have been there. Like, that doesn't even matter in the story. All that matters in the story is that this guy was in need. And, and what we see painted, the picture we see painted in this parable, it's way beyond just, you know, just being kind to people. Uh, uh, really, it's a, it, it, it's a picture of what we've been talking about, God's impossibly high standard of love, of who and how we're to love. His standard is this. We are called to love anyone who is in need and to hold back nothing in, 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 uh, from, of our own resources in our care and generosity towards them. And, you know, when, when they heard the story, I don't think it was lost on this, uh, this expert in the law. I don't think it was lost on him or on the crowd that the hero of the story, the hero of the story was, was a man from a hated race, a Samaritan. Like that would have been like, what? <laughs> like that would have been such a plot twist. But Jesus had purpose in that. Let me go back to Matthew 5, 43, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus was, was giving them the true interpretation of the law. You've heard it said that it, uh, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Right? The true interpretation of God's law, of God's standard. I tell you, you're to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The Samaritan had no obligation to help this man. Here's a Samaritan in the territory of a people who hate his guts. And he knows that if, and when he, in seeing that man, he knows that if that was him, none of these people would give a rip and would come to his aid. But he does. He goes to him. He bandages his wounds, lifts him onto his donkey, takes him to an inn, cares for him there, pays like two denarii, which was like two days wages for a guy like this. Um, and he makes a promise to the innkeeper. He says, hey, uh, I, I need to go, but I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back to check on this guy. And uh, if there's any other cost, it's on me. I'll cover it. I'm taking full responsibility for him. You know, and I just, in my mind, my, I start to, my mind wanders a bit, and I imagine the innkeeper looking at just such care and such generosity and going, 
wow, this must be a good friend of yours. What's his name? And the guy goes, actually, I don't know his name. I don't, I don't know his name. And he said, well, 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 where's he from? I said, well, I think he's from Jerusalem, I think. Uh, well, I mean, he, I mean, is he a good guy, a bad guy? He's pretty beat up. I mean, and, and the Samaritan would say, well, I don't know. All I know is he was a hurt guy. Well, maybe he deserved this. I mean, maybe, maybe he does, like, or, or what has he done to deserve this kind of help? And the Samaritan would say, well, really, really, Mr. Innkeeper, that's not my question to ask. What I'm called to do is, is, is to help him. And so with no regard for his safety at his own expense, no sign of being repaid, no sign of you know, getting some uh, fruit edibles in the mail to say thank you, uh, the good Samaritan cared for the most unlikely neighbor in the most unlikely way. So when we look at that, when we, when we look at what this guy did, does he remind you of someone? What's the right answer in church? <laughs> it's Jesus. You, you're, you're always got a good chance of being right. He, the good Samaritan is totally a picture of Jesus. Who else can love that way? Like, like God looked at helpless humanity, right? He saw us. I mean, we, as human beings, we all, we all are the wounded man lying on the road either by things done to us or things we've done to ourselves, we're all in this helpless situation. And when God looked at us, looked at you, did he, did he look at you and go, no thanks, and cross the road? No way. You know that. John three sixteen. God looked at the world and God loved the world. And God gave. He gave his son. He gave, he gave all he had. Jesus stepped down from heaven he came to us and seeing our helpless, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, every, every Lee, uh, bankrupt condition, Jesus, like the good Samaritan, poured out on us the full extent of his love, of, of his riches. He held nothing back from us. Nothing back. He gave his life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, Paul said this. He said, for you know the grace, the amazing grace and love and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, the level of love towards other that, that, that others that God calls us to, the, you know, who we are to love and how we are to love, like that is so impossible. I was thinking about, you know, even just, or even just, but being told to love our enemies. I was thinking about that, and I just, I said out loud, I said, I don't even love my family the way you call me to, <laughs> let alone, let alone my, my enemies. And, and I love how in the story how Jesus drives it home, this, this call on each one of us to look at our hearts or to, you know, or to search our hearts, to, like the call for each one of us to address this issue in our lives. Uh, in the story, Jesus totally turns the tables on this expert in the law and, you know, his question was looking for a loophole. Hey, Jesus, who's my neighbor? How am I going to get out of this one? But Jesus flips it around. And after telling this story, he says this in verse 36. He says, okay, friend, <clears throat> which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, and look at that, he couldn't even, he hates the Samaritan so much, he couldn't even say the Samaritan. You know, which one? Well, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. 
And Jesus would have looked him right in the eyes and says, bingo, friend. You want to please God? Well, then go and do likewise. See, here's a big point tonight. The question to be answered isn't who is my neighbor or you know, who is deserving of my care and generosity. The question to be answered is, am I willing to be used by God to be a neighbor to the person he brings my way? I think that's the question. And uh, my hope right now <clears throat> is that we all feel a little uncomfortable. Right? We've cranked up the heat. No, we haven't done that. But, but I'm serious, though. I hope right now, I hope that one of the things that God is doing in our hearts is that he's helping us get maybe a little, maybe a lot in touch with the gap in our lives, uh, with our inability to love others the way God has instructed us to in this parable. Because you see, just like the guy in this story, just like the expert in the law in this story, we have a choice in how we respond to this discomfort, this what I would call, uh, hopefully, conviction. You know, in seeing the gap, okay, this is what God has called me to in loving others, this is where I'm at. In seeing the gap, will we try to justify ourselves when it comes to loving the way he wants us to love? Like, think about that person right now that maybe it's a people group that you can't stand. Is your response going to be to look for loopholes to excuses, to get off the hook? Or will you turn to God and say, okay, I see what you're asking me to do, but I just can't do it on my own. See, one of the things we need to learn in our lives if, if in following Jesus is we need to um, just have a belief an expectation that God is always with us. He's with us right now. He's always with us and he's always working. He is always at work in our hearts, changing us from the inside out, making us into the people that he wants us to be. And so when we, if you have an altercation at home, at work, at school, with a stranger and you see the gap, okay, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I, I'm, I'm just not doing it. When you see the gap, we need to learn to look at them like and I say this a lot, warning lights on the dashboard of our car. Because, because what's going on by seeing that gap? It's an indicator that you, that I need a kingdom tune-up. My heart needs a tune-up. That I need kingdom fuel poured into my heart. I, you know, it's a sign that I've forgotten how much Jesus loves me. It's a sign that I've forgotten how incredibly merciful he's been towards me. Um, the Apostle Paul uh, in seeing the gaps, the struggles in his own life, he said this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, uh, each time he said, each time God said, and, and we're coming at the end of a conversation, each time God said to me, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, uh, and I'll end with this, if the band can hear me. Uh, I think one of, something that really gives life, as you, as you follow Jesus, it's, it's learning to see the gaps in our lives as something to be celebrated like what Paul was saying. Something to be celebrated, something to be embraced because those gaps are an opportunity for kingdom change in our lives. 
uh, of us discovering the power of Jesus working in and through us, changing us, filling up those gaps and making us into men, the men and women he wants us to be. Because think about it. Here's something we all deal with. When you see gaps in your life, when you're aware that you failed to do what, what you know God would have you do, why do you think it is the enemy, the devil, just jumps on you when that happens, when you see the gap? Like when he just starts accusing you and condemning you and just pouring on the shame. You know why he's doing that? He's doing everything he can to keep you from seeing this lack in your life, this gap. He's trying to keep you from seeing the struggle, the gap, as an opportunity for God to work in a very deep place, a very raw place in your life. So the story ends, and we don't know how the man responded at this point. Did he look at Jesus and just go, Whoa. I'm out of here and walk away, you know, too proud to let go of his self-justification? Or did he go to Jesus later and say, man, you were right. Like, I knew the right words, but I don't know how to do that. Will you, will you help me? Like, we don't know what choice he made, but you know what I realized tonight is that tonight uh, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make in our struggle, in the gaps in our lives. And uh, I know that in this COVID-19 season, lots of gaps have been exposed in our lives, in our individual lives, in our marriages, our families, with our work, the people we work with at school. So the band can come on up. Uh, as we go back into worship, I just want to encourage you to let this be a time. I love uh, what Naomi said about using our hands. Let this be a time of, I would encourage you to just open your hands to the Lord as we worship as a sign of, okay, you see the gaps. I see the gaps. Jesus, will you come Will you come and, and uh, change me from the inside out? Why don't we, why don't we stand up? I'm going to say one last thing, Naomi, just a sec. Um, so I'd encourage you as we, as we worship to do that. But I would also say this. Earlier this week, I had a picture of tonight that as we go back into worship, you know, God is with us, God is active here with us, um, that I felt like there was going to be a, maybe two, maybe three people that you are going to get a really vivid picture in your mind as we're worshiping. And you're going to be like, what is that? And it's going to be the Lord. And he's, going to get, and he's going to give you a picture for the rest of the group. So, And I know I'm just really throwing this out there. But if that's you and you're like, I think this might be what he was talking about, I would ask that you come over here. Andrew's over here. I'll be over there too. But just come on over and share it with us. And then uh, either we'll share it at the end for the group or if you're brave enough, we'll get you to share it. Okay? Are you game? Okay, that's encouraging. That's good. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.